This is Influencing Insider, the weekly webinar that interviews Australia and New Zealand's best journalists about how they like to work with communications professionals. To view our complete library of episodes and register for the live shows, head to influencing.com forward slash insider. Hello and welcome to Influencing Insider. I'm Mike Woodcock, your host for this episode. Today's guest is Chris Griffith, Senior Technology Journalist at The Australian. Before we get started, I'd like to highlight our upcoming Tech Leaders Conference on August 21st and 22nd. Hosted by ourselves and our supporting vendors, the conference will examine fresh technology, including quantum computing, blockchain and AI, evolving security challenges, and how the Australian business community is responding to a changing environment. Special guests at the event include New South Wales Minister for, Con- for Customer Service, Vic Dominello, and our new Federal Minister for Industry and Science, Ed Husick. Our guest today, Chris Griffith of The Australian, will be joining us at the conference, along with other journalists, including some of his team at The Australian. Welcome, Chris. Nice to do this, Mike. Good to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too, and thank you for taking the time. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, Yeah, it's always good to talk to the community um, and uh, whether it be our readers or the um, agencies that are always in contact with us, we really appreciate, um, I mean, their role and and what they can uh, provide, what they provide to us and that makes our our job all that much richer talking with them. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Um, uh, that, that, that interplay between journalists and, and PRs is something that's been highlighted um, and it's nice to hear you sort of draw a line out of that too. Um, wh- what would you describe your role at The Australian as? Well, Mike, I, I guess our roles have evolved in time. Uh, we're a, um, a smaller but I, I'd say pretty hard um, working unit with uh, David Swan as the um, uh, as the editor, and, and I'm here as uh, a senior technology journalist. And we've got Joseph Lamb now, who many of um, the listeners and viewers would have come in contact with as well. He's part-time at the moment, but um, Joe's been doing some great stuff with us in the tech section. So there's not many of us. Um, so our, our roles are kind of enlarged to some extent. David has been uh, doing wonderful work with um, talking with the, um, you know, the Innovative section that came out recently and uh, he's had a historical role talking with the various uh, startup community and the various startups and looking at how some of the companies have been doing on on terms of their stock trading and and, uh, the movements among the tech in the fintech area. I'm, I'm kind of more traditional technology journalist. I, I've been a developer in my time. I ran a small company uh, back in Queensland in the um, in the late 80s and, and early 90s before I went into journalism full-time. So I'm interested a lot in how things work, the more traditional side of, of technology um, our, and, and uh, you know, whether it's software or hardware, that's why I do reviews, technology reviews. But um, and, and they can be both devices like televisions and, of recent times, EVs, um, as well as phones and laptops. 
but also software and and looking at the end user experience and and that. But I'm also interested in in things like how EVs are going to work, how we're going to get charging working with EVs, which is a, a real problem at the moment. Uh, having uh, charging uh, facilities, whether it's around the community or in apartment blocks, for example. Um, and, and for example, with the NBN, what, what's going to happen with the NBN? Is it, are we going to be able to cast aside fibre altogether and have it even faster as just a, a, a radio-driven network? So it's really the applied side of technology that I get into. And also, importantly, the interface between technology and science and occasionally that includes medicine and health. So recently I did a story, fairly big story, on the application of um, vaccine patches and, and new vaccines in that area and looking at the viability of them and what they can solve, etc. So I look at the more applied side of technology, which is congruent more with my background. Okay, um, um, just digging into that a little bit deeper, Chris, how would you describe the audience for whom you write? Uh, well, The Australian has, uh, I guess, two major audiences. We have people who read the newspaper or, and subscribe to our newspaper, and that's a big professional audience, and um, that is including, you know, people in government and business, and um, uh, we have our tech sections on Thursdays of most weeks in the Australian and uh, we get a lot of that audience in there. We get the normal business audience because some of our stories end up in the business section. But online we have um, a more general audience of people who follow the paper in other areas who are interested in tech um, and uh, they see gadgets as something they buy as well but maybe not they're not exactly technology professionals, but they buy cameras, they use phones, they use laptops, they, they're interested in what the latest, latest TVs provide and those sort of things. But we also get other, other people. I've found um, we get some people in the science area and the university is really interested in stories we do, um, which try to look at what we try and do with our stories is push the envelope a bit into new areas, you know, what's coming up, what's emerging from the universities, what's emerging in the fintech area, um, what and and, uh, and and attract those sort of people who are curious about where the world is going in in the um, the areas we report in. Perfect. Um, so we've got a couple of people saying hello on the chat box. Please don't be shy about asking any questions on there. But hello from Emily and hello from Jody. Um, one question that I do know that will be out there was um, you've said you've covered um, uh, technology. We've got some questions starting to come through. Um, um, one, of the, one, of, one of the questions we quite often get asked is um, about reviews. Are you in a position to review product? Yes, I, I, I'll just explain the, the line I have taken with reviews. Um, we're really keen on on things that we can write substantively about. So there might be some gadgets that I look at and think, yeah, this is good, but can I get, you know, is there a really good story with this that we can explain how the technology works, who it applies to, does it? But importantly, I try and write um, in areas where, we're not just writing an extension of a, a slight upgrade to last year's devices. I get asked this a bit 
um, myself too. For example, we might be really fantastically enthusiastic about an OLED TV because it might be the first OLED TV or it might be the first OLED TV as a particular manufacturer has made. So it's all brand new and um, we love writing about it. But if we're getting just small incremental changes year to year, we, we don't see see it as much our role just to rewrite the whole story with a, with a small incremental change. We're interested in new tech that's brought to the table that makes it a new and fresh, interesting story. So I know some of the PR people I've spoken to, they're, they're really um, enthusiastic about the fact we've covered their product. But if the next year comes around and it hasn't changed so much, we mightn't give it the same prominence because to our readers, we're not really putting anything much new on the table that hasn't been uh, said before. So just bear that in mind um, if you're approaching us with with products. We're really interested in the new technology that's there. So when we get QLED and other variations of TVs, that's interesting because we explain how those TVs work and the product around them. But it's it's more the incremental things that, that sometimes the PR companies are a little bit disappointed we haven't covered. But that's the reason why we see our role is wanting to push the envelope a bit on products and and new, bring new ideas that will inspire the people we write for. Thank you. Um, Alan Smith has asked if you cover tech VC, tech exports, tech startup stories and news, which I, I think you said that um, um, Dan was sort of more focused on, um, on, uh, on tech startups. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, David, David Swan. David, he, sorry, yeah, David Swan. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Uh, he... Um, I guess David would be of journalist in Sydney. I mean, I might be a bit biased about this, but I think he is, you know, I don't have seen anyone cover the comings and goings of the fintech area and, and especially the startup area, but the generally the company area, as well as David has done. And, and you know, that's whether it's Canva or Atlassian at one end of the scale and the smaller tech uh, companies, the, the buy now, pay later companies. And, and you know, their, their, their great heights they've reached and, and their falls from grace of, of recent times. He covers it so well and um, he's probably the person that's best um, placed to cover those sort of stories. I guess I'm more interested in, I've done some buy now, pay later stories, but then I'm more interested in, I guess, the consumer side of things, how it works, what the deals are. Um, what's the impact like on prices in general and that sort of thing. Um, so I'll cover probably the consumer angle more of those, um, right. uh, if that explains it. it. It does, and thank you. That sort of goes to a question we've got from Dan Warren here, asking, um, uh, asking about the focus on consumer versus business to business. So if you're a little bit more consumer focused at the moment, as you say, um, if if I had something with business to business story, um, who would I send that to within the Australian? Um, look, if it's just a straight, you know, business, what's happening with the the company, the finances, and where the business is going, I, I think David is the best person for that for sure. Um, it, it's horses for courses if because um, uh, he's a bit more fintech oriented than I am. But having said that, because there's only two of us, we tend to overlap a bit. He'll occasionally do a review and 
I'll occasionally do a fintech story because there's just two of us and and Joseph part of the time. Um, we'll occasionally both do stories in in social media because it's such a vexing and difficult issue in the community. Um, how social media is is in some ways tearing us all apart with with um, what's posted and the bullying and the cyberbullying and and so on. So there is some overlap. There is some flexibility, but. Uh, I hope that gives it some clarity as to where we all go. And, and as I said, I love the idea of, of getting involved in the science, the technology area, because I think it's so exciting to see some of the, the great minds in our country and, and what they can produce. And, of course, that includes areas like quantum computing, which is so hard to write about because it's so abstract um, in terms of how it works. But I, the impact of it and what it can achieve, I think, is is quite tangible to write about, and, and we're doing that more for our general readers. Good. Thank you. Um, the actual question was, what is the bar you need to reach to find a business-to-business -business story interesting for the Oz, um, which feels like a how long is a piece of string question. Um, and the second question, what would you need to justify taking a day or two to fly interstate to see an event? Um, well, the first part of the question is, you know, you, you said uh, as long as a piece of string. It is a bit like that because I, it's hard to say exactly what the bar is because in, in a way um, stories compete with one another. There's two of us writing them. Uh, we're tending to not write uh, lots and lots and lots as we did when we were doing the blog a, a year or so ago. Uh, we're concentrating on kind of big stories of, of um, you know, that we write ourselves from scratch um, that, that have impact. And, and to decide what we do with our time is often a matter of competing interests. There's sure there are stories that are obviously laid out in Mazaire that we want to cover. There are others that we feel maybe are a bit too niche or maybe uh, not quite as momentous as the stories we like or maybe not as well defined as we want. Sometimes if we're going invited to conferences, we think, well, what are we going to get out of it in terms of the story? Because there's no really defined theme here. There's a lot of people speaking. Um, and we tend to be careful how we commit our time. So mm. we're not going along to events without any idea of what we can get out of it. Now, coming back to part two of the question, that last bit uh, also applies to going to events. Now that we're in the Zoom age, um, we might be invited to some really interesting events. But again, we're looking at uh, not not just what can we get out of this event, but also, you know, is it something we could cover uh, over Zoom these days? I know that's terrible to say, but but we try and rationalise our time now. In my view, there is nothing better than getting out to a trade show or among people and just enjoying the experience of doing that and, and meeting people and hearing their stories. And and often we will get some great stories out of that because we, you know, you get talking with people. But we have to be careful because there's not so many of us. And we do have this creature called Zoom and WebEx and all these other things that if it's just really someone uh, talking at a presentation and there's nothing else there apart from that, we might say, well, um, we could probably cover that um, better from here. 
Um, but of course, going anywhere else, we get the atmosphere, we get a whole heap of other things out of it, and it's great to go to events. And uh, of course, we're just itching to um, to go to some. I, I was just talking to colleagues. Uh, uh, we haven't really been to a trade show since 2019 due to COVID, and I'm hoping to go to one next month. But you know, let's providing we don't have COVID or monkeypox or foot and mouth disease or whatever else is thrown at us. You know, it's a bit of a potpourri of issues out there thank you thank you that that i think that gives us enough detail um yeah um one of our clients one of our people has asked um uh about lead times for exclusives but i suppose that would apply to to most of the pieces that you write what sort of lead times are you writing to um well hopefully you know it's provided when someone calls us it, we may have three or four stories that we have to write before we can get to another story. It just depends on the circumstances. But generally, um, if if we can get a couple of days to schedule some time with someone before an embargo lifts or, you know, or an exclusive um, uh, before an embargo lifts, it helps immeasurably because we've got more time to write the story better. You know, we... The, the most difficult situations are where, um, and, and this applies to events as well as, as interviews, where we're invited to an event and the embargo lifts straight away at the end of the event um, without any means of getting across the material before that. Because what it means is we're under real pressure to publish very, very quickly. And although we can do that, we do that to the best of our, our ability, it's harder to do a really good job both for our readers and for the people that are providing the information about whatever it is. Um, if, if we have more time or a day or two a time, a day or two, then we can do a better job. And, and I'd urge um, peer companies to think about that. If you're setting an embargo, and actually, I don't know about other or, uh uh, publishing organs, but for us, if the embargo is not for a couple of days uh, after the interview, we've got time to do a much better job putting the story, putting the interview together, and um, and and getting a, a much better um, uh, result from it. I, I might just add while we're talking about this, the importance of photos in, in my dealings with com companies and, and PR agencies. I often find that photos are regarded as a bit of an afterthought. They're really key to us because if we've got a great photo, your story about your product or, or development can probably go up to the top of a page with a big photo and be really prominent. If we don't have a good photo, we need a photo for online anyway, but if we don't have a good photo, it can kind of disappear down the page towards the bottom or a single column, not be as prominent. So I'd recommend to PR companies uh, before they call us to put together a great portfolio of the people that they're covering or the products that they're covering and um, have that in a, a, you know, a Dropbox or a Google Drive folder that we can download. In fact, I'd, I'd go further and say um, some companies actually at the bottom of their web pages have, a, you know, click here for media and uh, you can go there and get a backgrounder and the latest press releases and a portfolio of photos without us even needing to, to bother them for photos. But photos are really, really important. And even video, if it's available, even 
B-roll background uh, silent video that we can use to create videos. Um, and and it'll bring your story up to the top of the page if we've got a, a great photo to go with it. And, you know, if you can't get a camera these days, the, the best iPhones, Samsung phones, and that have great cameras. And if you've got a, a bit of skill taking photos, you can probably get some good results from that. I've occasionally resorted to that myself and we've run the photos uh, pretty well in the paper. Fantastic. Um, Louise Roberts asks, do you prefer that we pitch a story to you via email or, or over the phone? How do you like to get that first pitch? Um, look, uh, as much as I'd love to talk to people and my colleagues over the phone, we just can't cope. Um, mm. Sometimes I get back-to-back -back calls um, on call hold where it'll go four people in a row, you know, and there's someone on hold, I take that, and there's another person on hold. We just can't cope with it. And, and don't take it wrongly if we have our phones sending you to message bank so you can send a, a message that way it's just that we have um there's so few of us and so many more practitioners um i i hate to think what the ratio is these days but it, it's just really really hard that the first approaches um uh has have to be via email or text Texting's probably really good texting us stuff because not quite so many text us as send us emails and um uh, it just means that when we do need to make calls, we're making them to the people that we're dealing with on the stories, trying to get more information from them. We need time to talk to the sources and and people assisting us with stories. So please try and avoid uh, phone calls at the first contact. And mostly, unless it's a terrific story, if we don't get back, we probably decided to do something else. Just pro if you want to prod us, prod us with an email saying, you know, have you seen my uh, – uh, send the email again and, and text us saying it's at the top of your inbox or something like that. But phone calls are really difficult because of the volume that we've got. Okay. So to summarise, emails uh, in the first instance with pictures, um, embargoes not immediately after we're, we're done with the press conference, give us some time to write the story um, and then it'll be a better story. Um, include digital assets wherever possible. Um, and I've got a couple more questions here that are a little bit more um, uh, focused. Um, one of them is um, Bronte Mather asks your appetite for solar tech stories or sustainable technology stories um, and anything to do with EVs. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, Bronte, gl glad that you asked because um, I I've been really pushing for us more to cover more around EVs because that's the area that's really evolving. That's where there's a lot of new material to um, to talk about. And and um, it's meant also we've occasionally um, started reviewing EVs. We've, our emphasis has not been so much on the driving of them, but we cover that, but, but on the um, infotainment systems uh, like uh, we, we did one last year, the Polster, which uh, used a Google system that interfaced with the engine. So it knew your battery status and it would tell you if the battery was low and without you even asking, it would come up with fuel places that you could refuel. So you've got this interaction between infotainment, engine and all sorts of stuff. That becomes interesting in its own right, as does the all the different bird's eye views that that um, EVs have. But 
it's an evolving area. It's like phones were in the mid 2000s. We loved them because mm. they were coming on so strongly. The iPhone and and then other brands, Samsung, um, etc., LG, and that. Um, I think EVs are in an amazing space because we've also got difficulties around how uh, people are going to recharge. Uh, the difficulties with getting charging uh, wall charges or any sort of charging facilities in loads of apartments, for example. I think that's a big story because a lot of people who want EVs are probably younger people living in inner city apartments in Sydney and Melbourne and elsewhere. Um, and, uh, uh, and and solar charging and, and new ideas in the solar area. So I'm, I think I'm really keen and I know my colleagues are really keen to do more in that space because it's really a big frontier at the moment in technology. So, you know, we are technology section and, and a, a big part of that remains phones and laptops and all that digital technology. Um, but technology also includes um, EVs and, and quantum computing. Um, but EVs, I think, are really big and, and there's such a, a move to, uh, to try and have uh, more people drive them. That's great. Look, there's a, there's a lot of people asking about um, uh, about cutting edge things. We've got somebody asking about AI, um, and it's it's yeah, how how you see Australia led AI might impact um, the disability space. We've got somebody else asking about cyber warfare, um, and a third question asking about quantum computing. Um, AI is really important. I think we all. I, I think there's a broader community understanding of what AI really is um, and machine learning. Um, I think uh, how it, uh, there, there's the narrative around where it's being used. We've written a lot about in areas like identifying um, cancers, skin cancers, those sorts of things, um, uh, uh, analysing brain scans and, and that sort of thing. Um, the limitations, we write about the limitations of that and um, uh, and that's so... We, I, I think we'll be writing more about it. We there is the negative side of AI, and that is the use with cameras. AI can uh, with with uh, camera systems in in public camera systems can of course uh, be used to analyse who's in hours and hours or days and days and days of footage at a rate that, that humans cannot. And you know there's privacy issues around that, but uh, really good use of AIs and overcoming some of the problems. I think chatbots are a, a, a big issue at the moment because they're out there, but they're not necessarily that great and don't necessarily give you, they can be really frustrating. I, I'm frustrated mm. by them myself because mm. I'll ask questions um, on sites and the chatbot doesn't help and you, you're back to being on hold for a human for, you know, half an hour or so. So um, AI... Anything that's new that takes it in a new direction, I think is um, is is really important. Uh, number two was what? Um, so we were looking at AI, quantum computing, um, and uh, I think I'm just going through the questions because we are getting quite a few. I mean, I will ask everyone if you've got a question, uh, like please pop it up now. Computing. I, I, I mentioned it before. Um, we're probably going to start to see the, the effects of quantum computing roll out um, more towards the end of this decade. Uh, I wrote a piece in terms of pieces that I've really enjoyed writing. Uh, that was for the Innovations magazine. Mm. That was looking at an overview of where Australia was at, at, in quantum computing. And 
um, they're, they're at the early stages, of course, of having these noisy, as they call them, quantum computers, which are a bit rough in, in terms of, of what they can uh, produce. But by the end of the decade, um, they're, they're going to be able to be used uh, to do amazing things. And I think particularly in logistics and transport, the ability to, um, to, to process in more real time what's happening in traffic systems is, is one area that, that will be amazing. But there are going to be problems uh, uh, and, and we need to look at those too. One is with the ability of quantum computers to work so fast, are they going to decrypt encrypted systems? Uh, one question is what about stuff that is out there in an encrypted form? Could um, the bad actors get hold of that stuff now? Hold on to it if they thought it was important. Wait for quantum computers out there and decrypt it at a later stage. How vulnerable are we? Um, and where are the use cases mostly likely to be? So there's a lot to write about in that area. And I think the other was cyber warfare, the other of those three. Yes. Um, that, that is an important area. We, we do follow closely um, uh, cyber attacks when they occur and, and what trends are. We're a bit careful not to overdo it because we get a lot of um, uh, public relations companies who have clients in this area all at the time, same time sending us uh, warnings about what could happen. And, of course, it's a case of if... We get too much of one thing. We tend to think, well, you know, where the real stories in this are. We definitely need commentary when there is a big cyber attack and we need it really quickly. So if companies are really fast and can provide good commentary about events that are actually happening, that can be really, um, that can be really great to receive what you've got to say. Thank you, Chris. I'm aware that we've gone um, exactly double the time that we promised. Um, so thank you for spending some time. I, I will ask one more question. Um, is there a piece of content that you've worked on or, or, or a story that you've written um, recently that you've been especially proud of? Um, yeah, I, well, I, that the quantum computing feature in Innovations was one I was really proud of because uh, we'd written a lot of quantum computing stories which looked at isolated steps forward. So, and they're really important. And, and we've got some great researchers in Australia and here in New South Wales, where I am, that, that are, are making those steps going forward. But um, uh, why I really liked it was I set out to do a story where we could do an overview of the industry, because I, I think that's something that's not done so often is you know how, what are the time frames who are the players in australia what are they each doing what is our contribution to the world in in quantum um and, and trying to to look at that and i had a, a great guy to anthony murford who um worked in defense who i met a few months ago who could provide me that material and we quoted him a lot in that piece um so i was proud of that um Things like the vaccine patches, uh, it's technology that has a lot of hurdles to overcome. But uh, I love that sort of story because we get a lot of response from people concerned about vaccines and um, coronavirus, even though we're in the third year of it, uh, remains a big problem because we've got mm. no way. We haven't successfully yet vaccinated uh, the countries where the variants can mutate from. And, and so we're getting bombarded with new variants and seeing... Uh, it seems that we're likely to for years to come. So 
um, I think it's important that we we do those stories. And yeah, it's in the medical area, but vaccinations and using patches and the technology behind that, um, I, I class as technology as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's an intersection of technology and health, very much so. And um, we have and... done a bit, uh, what, not to go, we have done a bit on the war in Ukraine, particularly the use of uh, cryptocurrencies and, uh, and and some of the horrible AI um, uh style weaponry that um, has been talked about in the past. So we keep our eye on that as well. We'd be glad to know we've got Lisa Wade from Digital X um, joining us uh, for the Future Tech panel. We've got Dave Riley uh, from Microsoft and, and Sydney University on quantum computing. Um, we've got Toby Walsh uh, uh, on the panel um, as well. He'll be talking about quantum computing and so will Angela Kim. So we've got, I think, your three, your three hot buttons well covered. Um, and also Anthony Murphy from Dyson will be joining us uh, at Tech Leaders as well. Sounds a fantastic lineup. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, I really appreciate your time. Okay. And and good luck to everyone out there. Looking forward to hearing from you one way or the other. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us on Insider today. That was Technology with Chris Griffith. If you'd like to rewatch this episode, you'll receive an email with a link to the online replay shortly. You may have noticed we've added some contact details for Chris and David throughout the chat channel. We'll make sure we include those in the email that's going out to you shortly. If you'd like to learn more about Tech Leaders, please visit techleaders.com.au or email me at mike at mediaconnect.com.au and we'll be in touch. We'll be back next week. I hope to see you there. Bye for now.